I'm Deontay Burton, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Hamadou Diallo. Hey, I'm Danilo Gallinari. I'm Chris Paul, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Luke Dort, and I'm down to Dort. What's Dort? I, I'm not gonna lie, I don't know what that was. In English, bro. I'm Darius Baisley, and I'm down to dunk. I'm Shea Gilders Alexander. I'm Steven Adams. I'm Andre Robertson, and I'm down to dunk. Yeah. On you. Welcome to Down to Dunk. I'm your host, Andrew Schleck. We're part of the Athletic Podcast Network. With me today is my good friend, Alex Spears. Alex, what's up? What's up, Andrew? What's up? Coming to you live. <laughs> Coming to me live. Definitely. You specifically live. <laughs> uh, so the Thunder beat the Bulls last night, 124 to 122 in Chicago. What a game! What a game. It was one of those ga- I didn't watch it live, so I knew the outcome. I even looked at the box score before I watched it. One, I thought it was a misprint that Gallinari only scored 24 points after I watched the first quarter. Because so he, mm. had, he had 19 in the first quarter? Uh, yeah, he was incredible in the first quarter. He was unconscious. It was just, it was a wild experience. And then he just kind of disappeared until he had that dunk at the end. He always, he's one of the more surprising dunkers in the NBA. Yeah, and he I feel like he gets a lot of them. He does. The guy's always two-hand dunking. Yeah. And you just by simply watching him run up and down the floor, you think that guy probably can't dunk. And I then love he, the way he runs up and down the floor. <laughs> it's it's probably my favorite thing about him cuz it, it's the thing that reminds me the most of myself. Cuz it, it looks like he's running but he it looks like he's like not really trying to get wherever he's going that fast. But he, he's trying to make it look like he's going there fast. Yeah. <laughs> he's, there's a lot of movement within, within his run. There's just a, there's a lot of hip, more hip than necessary in his yeah. run. Uh, he was awesome in the first quarter. Uh, and I think that we, we've got we got to give some shine to T. Ferg, man. He, that was his best game since November. I mean. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I started going back through. I was shocked that he had previously scored double digits this season, but he, he had like eight of those games. So yeah. like, that wasn't unique. It's just been a long time. It's been and a long uh, time. yeah, that first three, I think it was the first three, the one that was in the corner, mm-hmm. the far corner yeah. and they passed it to him and he had a guy running right at him. It wasn't necessarily a wide open three. And when I saw that, my first thing I thought was, well, there's no way he's going to shoot this. He's probably going to pump fake, dribble around to the key, never look at the basket, and then pass back out to someone. And instead, he just takes the shot, and it goes in. And then he did it two more times, and it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not only, trigger. I mean, not only that, but he drove the lane, got fouled, and made free throws, which is probably even more of a rare thing. That for, also made me go reason. to his game log on basketball <laughs> reference. I was like, what number of free throws this this season? It turned out it was like his 10th and 11th. Yeah. I mean, honestly, very sad amount of free throws on the team. I mean. But but this could be the game that turns it around. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will remain skeptical until I see this, you know, five or six times, you know, in the span of a month. Something clearly changed though, because he he we have not seen him be that aggressive with his three point shooting in a long time. I mean, those weren't wide open threes, so right. it's it's not even like he just felt forced to take a three. I mean, he was catching the ball and immediately shooting it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there was something very very different about him, and which was good. And that's the thing about him. So we I love Lou Dort. I think Lou Dort is awesome. I think he's so much fun. But the truth uh, is, here comes that, the butt. Oh, there's the butt. <laughs> Terrence Ferguson is a is a is a better fit, theoretically, with the skill sets that he has to be in that starting spot because he can actually shoot the ball, like he really can. And I don't know what kind of shooter Lou Dort is. I know what the kind of shooter he was in college. We're figuring out the kind of shooter he is in the NBA, and they're they're similar this season. I mean. They're both 31% from three this season. But we know that Ferguson's a better shooter than that. We know Ferguson, that's what he came into the league as, was a shooter and a scorer. That's what he was. Ludwig came into this league as just a truck that can defend everybody. 
that's and that's their skill sets. And I'd love for Ludor to get a contract, continue to start, continue to improve. That'd be great. But this team also needs backup help on the wing. And so either way, like Ferg's got to get it together for this team. Uh, and also for himself. I mean, he's up for a contract extension this summer. And you think the Thunder are going to give him any sort of look on a new contract? I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I think they're like, okay, well, we'll just wait for restricted free agency. Or we'll wait to trade you next year. You know, I don't I don't think that he's warranted a contract extension at this point. So, you know, for himself, for the Thunder, he's got to get better. I mean, the free throw numbers are kind of, they're, they're alarming. I mean, Lou Dort has played 487 minutes. He's taken 28 free throws. That's not a ton. But still, it's 28. Terrence Ferguson's played 1,072 minutes. He's taken 15. Almost half the amount of Lou Dort, and, uh, and double the minutes. I mean, other, play, other players that have played similar amounts, like Nerlens Noel, he's played almost, hasn't even played a 1,000 minutes yet. He's taken 90. I mean, it's just, it's, it, is a, it is a problem. Like, that shows your lack of aggression. That shows your lack of confidence just in the free throw attempts. Because, remember, uh, yeah. remember Sabonis' rookie year? <laughs> I do. So we'll see if it's even close to as bad. <laughs> but it there was, what was it, like 11 games or something in a row where he never went to the free throw line. <laughs> yeah. and Well, it does feel like Ferguson, I mean, you saw the bench reaction when he was hitting his threes last night. Yeah. It seems like he's in a good environment, like a supportive environment, at well, least as far as the him. team is concerned. Yeah. I would even venture to say that the team as a whole would prefer Ferguson to start. Yeah. Like they really do like him. And a lot of people are like, well, it's Russell Westbrook and Jeremy Grant are gone. Those are his friends. They're the only ones who supported him. It's like, no, like that's not it at all. I mean, Billy Donovan loves Terrence Ferguson. Would I mean you try to you try to talk to him about Terrence Ferguson, he's just gonna tell you all these great things about him. As if he were like an ascending all star or something. Uh Sabonis took sixty seven free throws. Hmm which is a heck of a lot more than what Terrence Ferguson is on pace for. <laughs> like, I mean, double, almost triple what Ferguson's on pace for. Maybe Ferguson needs to go to the Nader driving school. <laughs> yeah. And learn how to drive. Uh, Nader's given good minutes during during this, this Baisley-less stretch. He's... he's He's playing those minutes, and he's he played really well last night, too. Two of two from yeah, three, he did. two of four from the field, six boards, an assist, a steal, and a block. That block that he had was pretty wild. He got up for that block. Um, man, Shea. Shea was awesome. And Shea does this thing where you look up, and like suddenly he has 20 and 10. Like, I don't know. When did that happen? How did he do that? Uh, finished with 21 points, 11 boards, three assists, one steal, two blocks. He was great last night. And that step back three that he had was just very exciting. Not only exciting for the game because it was a huge shot that put him up one in that portion of the fourth quarter where they were just going back and forth and you had no idea who's going to win. Um, but it's exciting for the future of Shea that he's confident enough in a moment like that to take an off-the-dribble step back three that doesn't look clunky, that looks smooth. I mean, that's a big deal. And so, to me, that was it was overly exciting. Yeah, he had um, – that actually is true. Because if you, if, you, if you had asked me after the game if I had thought Shade had a good game, I, I didn't think he had a good game watching it. Yeah. Um, but it is kind of crazy that he had 20 and 10. On 11 because, shots. Yeah. He, <laughs> he didn't have – and I've been noticing this more lately. Maybe it's because teams are changing how they're defending him a little bit. But he hasn't. He didn't have a lot of like his silky smooth layups last night. He had a lot more where he would like start driving into the paint, and the person would kind of stonewall him. Mm-hmm. And so, but he would still get up a shot somehow. And they were nasty looking shots, but yep. he made a couple of them. And he'd always end up on the court. Like he'd always fall down afterwards. Yeah. Um, and they were like kind of floaters, but they were like covered floaters where like the guy's right on him and he's just like bouncing into them and then falling back and shooting it. So they didn't look like great shots, but he's been making those as well. So, uh, yeah, his, his, 
he can just do so many different things that night to night his game kind of changes based on what they need. Yeah, which which is such a great building block for this team moving forward, and such a like a head start. We know that the rebuild is hasn't started, and we don't know when it will start. If it's next season, if it's the season after, we don't really know. But to have a guy like him in place that is clearly getting better. I mean, he's a lot better than he was last year with the Clippers. And in, in not that dissimilar of a situation because there are, like on that Clippers team, there are so many different scores on that team that had the ball where he's playing off the ball a ton. It's, it's a similar situation, but the Thunder recognize, okay, he's the future of this franchise in a lot of ways. Maybe not the best player on the next championship-level team for the Thunder. I mean, he could be. We don't know if he is or not. But still, let's invest. Let's make sure that we get him enough shots and possessions. But still, I mean, there was three guys that took more shots than he did last night. Intruder, Chris Paul, and Gallo. And, you know, in any given night, he could be the fourth guy in shots taken. Steven Adams probably deserved more shots last night uh, after watching the game. But uh, just... An, an impressive showing from Shea and really the, the whole team, except for the third quarter where things just completely fell apart. It was 38 to 19 in the third quarter in favor of Chicago. Uh, and they were, they were, they were just dominating them up until then. And then it just, you could just see them just kind of let go of the rope a little bit. It felt a little reminiscent of last season where they would get up early and then say, we got this. And then, you know, Zach Levine was so insane. He and Kobe White were both so insane last night. They were taking the dumbest shots and just making the dumbest shots last night. Zach Levine took thirty five. He took thirty five shots. It, it was crazy. It, yeah. I mean, it, it, he's obviously not this player or these this level of player, but it honestly at moments felt like watching Kobe or like T Mac. Yeah. When you just had like this feeling of hopelessness. Yep. Like uh, you're powerless. It's, it's, there's nothing you can do. You could throw Dort at him. You could throw Ferg at him. Like mm-hmm. Schroeder was on him. Like there was a point in the first quarter or the second quarter where I was like, man, this isn't a great Dort game so far. Um, there was one play where he let Zach Levine cut behind him and just totally missed it. And Levine was like, just making all these shots. But as the game went on, I was like, you know, I don't know if they're playing that bad of defense. He's just making some really crazy shots. Mm-hmm. Um, and that just became like more accentuated as the game went on. I mean, that last or one of the last shots when he shot it from the logo, the game that like brought it or the shot that brought it back within like one or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was just incredible. What? And I just never, I mean, we were kind of making fun of Zach Levine when we were talking about all-star selections. Yeah. Um, like that we felt compelled that we had to bring him up just because other people were. Mm-hmm. If I, I've been watching a lot of Bulls games. If he's been playing like this, <laughs> I guess he should have been an all-star. Yeah. He was, I mean, he was incredible. I couldn't believe that it was Zach Levine that I was watching. Alex, before we move on, I want to take a moment to tell you more about the great things going on at The Athletic. The Athletic is home to 400 of the best sports writers out there covering every major team in every major league city in the U.S., Canada, and the U.K. Uh, We've had a ton of writers come through Oklahoma City. Uh, Currently, Eric Horn, who does great work. He's got an article about New Orleans Noel out right now that's fantastic. Uh, We also have Brett Dawson, who's covering the, the Los Angeles Lakers now, and he does phenomenal work. And if you have not caught Fred Katz's story on Steven Adams' feet and his shoes and his footwear, you have got to go check that out. It is so great. Simply put, we have the best sports newsroom on the planet. But you don't have to take my word for it. You can see for yourself by signing up for a free trial. Head to theathletic.com forward slash down to dunk to save 40% on an annual subscription. That works out to about $3 a month for total access for some of the best sports coverage in the world. What are you waiting for? That's theathletic.com forward slash down to dunk to save 40%. You have got to do this, please. Support the people that support down to dunk. Okay, so I, I prepared something, Andrew. Oh, okay. Um, the top five most memorable performances against OKC this season. Okay. okay. Mm-hmm. 
um, because I wanted to see where I thought Zach Levine ranked. But as I was going back through, I realized that the last time they played, he scored 39. Mm -hmm. Dominated us then, too. So I'm going to reveal my top five to you. But before I do, I want to ask you, without even looking up, because it's very important. This is most memorable. It's not best box score. Oh, no. What are the are there any games this season that you remember that immediately pop in your head when I said that most memorable games from opposing players? Oh boy, man, this is this is just not a great time for me to. Uh, okay, well, I'll just tell things. you mine, and you'll okay. say, "Oh, I remember that one." Yes, I, I will do that. Yes, go ahead. Uh, so I gave honorable mention to Kobe White from last night. Yeah. He was, he, he, had, was, he was so stupid. He was so good. I will definitely well, remember had, him and his floppy hair making just everything. Yeah. The only And the only reason he didn't make top five was just because I felt like that game will probably be remembered as the Zach Levine game. But yeah. Yeah. if you look at the stats, I mean, he had 35 points on 21 shots, six three-pointers. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was incredible. Mm-hmm. Okay, my top five. Number five, Nikola Jokic, December 14th. He put up a 28, 14, and 12 on the Thunder yep. in only 14 shots. Yep. And that was an early, you know, that part of December, mid-December, we're starting to feel a little bit better about the Thunder. Yep. And that and that was a big early test for them, and they did not win. Yep. And Jokic dominated us completely. Yep. Next one, very early game, November 10th, Giannis. It wasn't even, I mean, it was a very nice Giannis game. It was 35 points, 16 rebounds, mm-hmm. 13 and 19 from the field. But I just remember that game because I was just like, wow, does he really play this hard every night? Like at that time, we're thinking OKC is a tanking team and he's coming in there to Oklahoma City, just a random early November game and just showing like a ton of emotion and being super aggressive all game. So it was very memorable for me. Did not make the top three, though. My top three, number three, Kyle Kuzma. Kuz <laughs> killed the January thunder. January 11th. <laughs> 36 oh. points. That was so frustrating. That was, because that by that time, we definitely were like, this team could be good. We're mm-hmm. locked into the playoffs. Oh, look at this awesome game we have. Lakers at home. No LeBron. No AD. Piece of cake. Like we trust this team. This team won't blow this. Yeah. And then Kuz comes in and just destroys us. Yeah. I gave number two to Zach Levine from last night. Mm-hmm. 41 points. He didn't even shoot that many threes. I mean, well, actually, he did take a lot of threes, but he only made three. Mm-hmm. And he was one of nine before those last two threes. So, again, I'm not even sure. In retrospect, it was an amazing game. But in the moment, it felt <laughs> So good. He was just killing us. Yeah, he was. I felt like I was watching like a a Hall of Famer. And then number one, I went with Marcus Aldridge. Yeah. November 7th. He had 39 points, but he shot 19 of 23, which is good for, I think, 87, 83%. (laughs) Just pretty good. That is pretty good. So those are my top five performances against uh, the Thunder this year. Wow. So it was a good one. That was a good one. And LaMarcus was just garbage in the last one. He was. I think he had eight points. I mean, loser. Just... We, saw, we figured him out. <laughs> yeah. Solved him. We solved hey, it. Hey, someone on the other, another person on the Bulls I wanted to talk about. Uh, we watch a lot of Thunder games. Mm-hmm. And I would say it's rare for me to notice another player on the team who just because of how bad they are. Yeah. Like, obviously, I noticed guys like Kobe White and Zach Levine. How can you not? But I got to say, Cristiano Felicio is one of the worst <laughs> NBA players I've noticed in a long time. <laughs> he is so bad. How did he get the contract that he has? I don't know. And he played 33 minutes last night. Yeah. He was. I guess I guess they had to because all their big guys are out. Right. He was super terrible. Oh, he airballed uh, like a 10-foot shot. <laughs> and then another time he was on the ground and time was running out and he took a shot from his knees that just like <laughs> went straight up in the air and back down. <laughs> it was bad. What? It's just, it's just amazing. The, the play and then the contract number. I mean, he's making 8 million this year. Eight. Good for him. Next year it does descend. So 
kudos oh, yeah. to the Bulls. I'm sure that Dunk Don really loves that descending contract. I'm sure that they have talked much oh, about got, this. Oh, you, you gotta love a descending contract. You gotta love it. Especially Put up if you six can, and nine last night. If you can pay a guy hmm. like that seven point five million next year. You know, guaranteed. All guaranteed. Guaranteed. It's really good. The, was that a twenty sixteen cost? that contract must be going on forever. Yeah, it was a twenty no no no. He is the year after that. Oh wow. Yeah. Yep. Oof, no cool. excuse for that. That's a bad one. That's a bad one. Uh Steven Adams has been awesome since the All-Star break, which is not very many games, but still he's been awesome. Uh and last night he was great again and probably deserved more touches than he received. Have you happened to see his free throw percentage over the months? Uh, somebody brought that up in the uh, Twitter questions, and I hadn't even been paying attention. It is wild. So just get ready for this. In October, in four games, he shot 28% from the free throw line, which is bad. Four of 14. In November, in 11 games, 47% from the free throw line. December, 57%. That's a nice jump. January, in 14 games, 70%. And then in February, in eight games so far, 76% from the free throw line. That is wild because it's not even like he's uh, shooting a handful of shots. I mean, in February, he had, you know, 26 free throws. Yeah. Decent number. That's double what Ferg takes for the whole season. That's true. (laughs) So Uh, I have no explanation for that. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean, health is probably the only one, right? Yeah, and you know, I was reading, uh, Eric Horn wrote an article on The Athletic about Nerlens mm-hmm. and uh, talking about, uh, and there were some quotes in there from Nerlens about, you know, I really try to come in and make it so there's no drop-off from Steve, and also he's playing five more minutes this year, like he's playing 18 minutes a game, mm-hmm. which has allowed Steve to not play as much, which I hadn't even been paying attention, but Steve's only playing 27 minutes a night, yep. and uh I know at the end of last year, especially at that Blazers series where Ennis oh, Cantor kind was, of yeah. beat up on Steve and we were feeling very down on Steve yes. <laughs> the, the night after that series ended. Oh, yeah. Um, for good reason. The, like for, for good reason, for yeah. For very good but, reason. But one thing yeah. we were talking about is next season, if this team comes back, they have to figure out a way to keep Steven Adams healthy the whole season so that he is healthy in the playoffs. Yep. And we were thinking more of him maybe – maybe sitting a little bit or doing some load management, but they've done a nice job of just not playing him as much. Yeah. It's a, it's a huge deal. I mean, six, and he's been very effective. Yeah. I mean, he hadn't played this few minutes since the 2016 season. Yeah. So it's, I mean, it's, it's a really great thing for Steve. So, I mean, I, I hope they continue to, I would even like for them to sit him a little bit, you know, I, I, I think that would be good for him. Well, you want to? You want them to sit the whole team against Milwaukee Bucks? You want them to forfeit? I do. That would be I great. Heard you talking to McKelly? <laughs> I'm all. I'm all aboard that. Let's let's get let's get Nader 28 shots against the Bucks and let's just forfeit. I'd be fine doing that. They're going to lose to the Bucks anyways at home. The Bucks don't lose at home. They certainly won't lose to the Thunder at home. Yes, but with this with this team, if anyone can play the spoiler, Andrew, we can ruin their 70 win season. Yeah, I don't know. I'd rather get my guys rest and make sure we beat Sacramento on Thursday. Sacramento's scrappy. They're kind of scrappy. Yeah, they've uh, they've been playing better as of late. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you don't want to mess around. I mean, they've only won 24 games, and that's that's why you're designated scrappy. You know, like the Thunder aren't scrappy. They're a good team. But if you're bad, but you could beat somebody, you're scrappy. That's a scrappy 24 wins. Yeah, they won three in a row. Since the All-Star break. And they've won six of their last eight. Yeah, that's pretty good. They beat the Clippers. Like, pretty pretty bad. You know, another team uh, that's been scrappy, the Phoenix Suns, I sent you that yeah. lineup data. Yeah. That they have the, the best starting lineup that's played at least 200 minutes in terms of net rating in the league, which just blew my mind. I just couldn't. Because they, they just beat the Jazz, uh, which is why people were talking nice about them. Mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so looking forward, maybe they're not a, a shoe-in anymore when you're looking ahead for the rest of the season if they're on your schedule. Right. Yeah, I don't think so. 
And also the Jazz are in a strange tailspin of sorts. They've lost three in a row. I think all at home. A great tailspin. I've been loving it. It's, it is wonderful. <laughs> do you do you hate listen to any uh, jazz podcasts ever? No. Wow. Yeah, I haven't gotten that deep in it yet. I mean, I have listened to Locked On Jazz before. Yeah. Um, but what are the what are the the jazz pods? I think that's the only one that I'm aware of is Locked On Jazz. Oh, okay. I've definitely been to their subreddit. They're yeah. miserable. <laughs> they're they're blaming uh, the coach a lot. Oh, they are Quinn Snyder. Who's Quinn Snyder? Yeah, he's a tactician. This, yes, he is a tactician, and some people believe that his tacticianing has gotten too complex uh, oh. for the players. Wow. That's a really funny explanation. Well, apparently, their explanation for Mike Conley being bad for most of the season up until some point was that hey, this this offense just takes a long time to learn. You know, just got to give them time. And uh, they've given up on that. Now they're, they're, most of the fans are just against Conley. Are they calling Mike Conley stupid then? They just think he's an idiot? What? Uh, that's that's how I feel when they say stuff like that. Yeah. But anyways, they think that uh, old Quinn's offensive scheme is a little too complex. Hmm. And he needs to uh, simplify it. The Jazz are a really interesting team in that they, they play big. And if you can... And this is, I'm very interested to see the Thunder play the Jazz and kind of, and what they do. And I just wonder if those are Muscala games at the backup center where any backup minutes are just every, the whole team spread out and you try to pull Rudy away from the rim. Uh, Because obviously that was, it was very successful for the Rockets to just play small and they did not suffer at the hand of Rudy Gobert. Right. And I think a lot of it is when you pull him away from the rim. I think Mike D'Antoni said after the game, you know, if Rudy Gobert is next to the rim, we're doing something wrong. And so Steven was great against Gobert in the last game they played. I think they, they crushed the Jazz in Utah. And Steven was a huge part of that. But I just wonder if that's a game where you play Mascala and you just you spread everything out and you, you, you beat them that way. Because the Suns... They played Sharich at the at the center position, and the Jazz just didn't have an answer for it. And so you just have to wonder a little bit if a guy like Gobert, who's really only effective around the rim, and that's it, um, as an offensive player, as a defensive player, uh, if you can play small against them, I, I think I think that they're in big trouble. You know, if they if yeah. they did catch Houston. In round one, I think Houston would throttle them. I also think that they don't want to match up with the Clippers. I, I just looking at like the top four teams right now. Yeah, I think I would rather face like the Nuggets if I were the Jazz. Yeah, and it's going to be hard to orchestrate that for them unless they fall to six or something. Yeah, which is not which is not impossible. For- well, we're we're a half game back. Of yeah. the fifth spot right now. Yep. Half game back of the Russ reunion playoff series. Oh my goodness. Can I mean that would be so incredible in so many ways. I, and and we we've been uh in our group text, we've been texting about this, but it's kind of a bummer. We don't play the Rockets the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. Um so we don't necessarily get to see how we match up with this new version of the Rockets. And I, I don't know what to think about it. Like Maybe maybe you remember better, but how do you feel like Stephen Adams matches up in this type of small, super small ball lineup? Do you think he could potentially be played off the court? Yeah, in a, in a series like that. Sure, I think he could be. I mean, if it it all depends on PJ Tucker and his shooting. You know, if PJ Tucker's shooting, you know, forty percent for the series, then yeah, you play Stephen off the court. You know. And that's where, I mean, it's just funny that Mike Muscala could become very valuable in a series like that because he can at least move his feet well enough to stay with a P.J. Tucker kind of guy. Yeah. You know? And also New Orleans is, prob- is better suited for that series probably, even than Steven is because he's just a quicker player. Um, and the Thunder can play a lot of different ways. That's, they, you know, they played Gallinari at center a bunch when they beat Houston in Houston. Um, the last time 
And they had, I mean, that's when they didn't have Steve or Nerland. So they had to play Muscala and they had to play Gallinari at center. But it worked well for OKC. And so I think it would be a very interesting, <clears throat> a very interesting series for many. Obviously, the storylines are outrageous. You know, Russell Westbrook versus Chris Paul. You have these two franchises that are battling that. It looked like Houston was heading one direction and the Thunder were heading another direction. Instead, they collide at the 4-5 series, you know. And I don't, I wouldn't expect either one of them to go very far after that because then you have to play the Lakers in round two. Uh, but still, it's, it would be absolutely wild. And I think I, I think I picked the Rockets to win that series, uh, but I think it would be close. I think the, the Rockets are just that gimmicky to where... I could, I could see the Rockets just blowing the doors off the Thunder in a series just because they're hot and James Harden's playing out of his mind. Russell Westbrook's getting to the rim whenever he wants and Eric Gordon and P.J. Tucker you know, are hitting their shots and the Thunder just don't have a prayer. Or I could see them go... I mean, they've done this in the playoffs before where they just go really cold and you could have a 19-point quarter from Gallinari to, to win you know, game two on the road. And then... The Thunder find themselves in a seven-game type of series when the, if the Thunder win their games at home. I mean, you could find yourself in a seven-game series with them. I could see it. Because the, and the difference between this Thunder team and last year's team, especially in the playoffs, is that they can score in the half court. That they've, They can get to their spots and they can score in the half court. And so you just, I don't know. I think it would be fascinating on on many, many levels. And I think both cities would just be on fire and the ratings for that series would be outrageous. I think. I think it would. I think the NBA is rooting for that. Rather than, are you getting excited for a Houston Rockets Jazz series? Third time, isn't that their third in a row? I think so. I, I'm not. I'm not excited. I think we all know what's going to happen. We've seen this. We've seen this movie before. And the Jazz, the Jazz are like just strangely worse. You know, you think you replace Conley with Rubio and you replace Favors with Bogdanovich. Like, oh, huge upgrades for the Jazz. Those guys fit with how they play. And they're just not they're just not very good. I just don't have a lot of faith in that team. I mean, their point differential is the same as the Thunders. Which to me says a lot about both teams. <laughs> So, I mean, you, like a Utah Clippers series is a lot more interesting to me. You know, if you just flip-flop Thunder Utah and you get OKC Houston, which is just a fantastic matchup, and then you have Utah Clippers, which is big time, and then you have Dallas and Denver, which <laughs> is very interesting, then whoever the Lakers play with eighth spot, which... Do you, do you have an updated uh, prediction for the eighth spot in the West? Uh, I'm sticking with the Pelicans. Okay, they're because rising. The I mean, if you if you look at it, Memphis, Jaron Jackson Jr. is out for two weeks. Yeah, Brandon Clark is now out for two weeks. Mm-hmm. They still have that super hard schedule coming up. Yeah, and they've lost three in a row. The Blazers, Dame has still been out. Mm-hmm. So. It's true. There's, st- you know, the Pelicans are still three and a half games back, which is a lot, and they lost last night. But that was to be expected. They lost to the Lakers. Yeah. Um, so I'm still feeling really good about the Pelicans. They still have a really easy schedule coming up. I have no faith in the Spurs. It's very funny hearing people say like, you know, some team the rest of the season is going to lay down the blueprint of how to beat the Houston Rockets, and I and I think it's going to be the Spurs. I've had I've heard a few people who say said that. that? <laughs> who said that? I saw someone, some smart person I follow on Twitter said that. Oh, no. I was like, man, I don't know. I've watched the Spurs. I don't, <laughs> I'm, I'm completely out on the Spurs. Listen to the Spurs schedule. They're a half game back of, uh, of Portland, who is in ninth, that I still think can get there. I have no clue who's going to make the eighth seed. Uh, so they play Dallas on Wednesday, which is today. Then they get Orlando, Indiana, Charlotte, Brooklyn, Cleveland, Dallas, Denver, and then Minnesota, Memphis, New Orleans, Chicago. Like they've just, they've got a favorable schedule. They do. All those, I mean, I'm looking at Tankathon, San Antonio, Portland, and New Orleans all have bottom five or bottom six 
schedules. They all have a chance to get there. And it's all pretty, I mean, it's very favorable to all three teams to make an actual run. And it's just going to be who can seize it. I don't, I don't have a lot of faith in the Spurs either. And some of that is born from, I just watched the Thunder just dismantle them. Um, and so, I, and so maybe the, some of that is skewed in my own mind because I mean, LaMarcus Aldridge and DeMar DeRozan were absolutely miserable in that game. And they haven't been all season. Obviously, one of LaMarcus's best games was against OKC. So you just wonder, I mean, I guess they caught them on an off night, but still, uh, I am, I'm just not a believer <laughs> in the Spurs either. I, I think Portland or the Pelicans will, will get there. But it's it's gonna be it's it'll be weird to have a, a team below five hundred, which is certainly possible making the playoffs in the Western Conference, which is is not has not been the norm for a long time. So, um, do you want to uh, answer some Twitter questions? Let's do it. So I asked for Twitter questions and promised that I would ask you a question. Yeah. If you asked me a question, where did that come from? I don't know. I instantly regretted it. I was going to say, there wasn't much time before, you know, between that tweet and the text that you sent of regret. <laughs> well, I just, I committed to a lot and I, I quickly <laughs> learned that it's very hard to just come up with questions off the top of your head. Yeah. But I had some gems in there. Uh, most recently, Andrew, I'll ask you this question. Would you rather never be able to watch the thunder again? Mm hmm. Or have to be a storm chaser anytime you wanted to watch them play. Oh, goodness. Could I watch other NBA teams? Um, yes, but if they play the Thunder, no. I, I, I would rather be a fan of another team and just never watch the Thunder again. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Because I mean, you if you're a storm chaser, like, how much are you really watching the game? You're just, you're working on hype. You're hyping. Could it be a storm? Uh, we, uh, when you're in the bowels of the stadium, you can watch it on the little screens. Yeah. Would um would I be a storm chaser on the road too? Is that a thing? Uh, yes. So <laughs> you you wouldn't necessarily have to travel with the team, but you could like go to a bar and watch the game. But you'd have to be like hyping up the patrons. Oh yeah, yeah. There, there's. It is no contest now. I am officially a, a who cares. I don't care who it is. Fan of whatever team in the world. You'd, you'd have to go to like Republic, all dressed up. <laughs> Woo! Like, just by yourself. <laughs> I'd be holding up like giant signs. Yeah. Oh, and then run over to another one. Okay. Everybody's just like, just let me eat my green beans, man. Leave me alone. <laughs> Uh, and then the other question I had that I think is very good that I mentioned earlier to you, you have to have two new pets in your house. None can be animals you've previously had as pets. Which animals do you choose? Uh, yeah, that's, that's a tough one. So that rules out dogs, cats, fish, and ducks for me. Um, so I'd probably go uh, spider monkey uh, is, wow. is at the top, top of my list. It sounds high maintenance. It's high maintenance, but also it's like high risk, high reward kind of situation. What's the reward? Uh, having a monkey that could just sit on your shoulder and you answer, answer the door and somebody's like, hey, how's it going? It's like, hey, check out me and my monkey friend. So Okay. Wow, yeah. When you put it like that. <laughs> um, and then maybe, uh, let's see. There's a lot of animals out there. There are a ton of animals out there. Fewer pet animals. Um, I mean, you could have a rabbit. Rabbits are relatively easy. Uh, chickens. Oh, chickens are cool. Yeah, I got chickens. There's a a lot of chickens in Portland to the point where, like, when I take Hank on a walk, I will run across multiple coops on our walk. Oh wow! And and I always hold Hank up <laughs> to the chickens <laughs> so that he can say hi to them. Does <laughs> Hank Hank like that? Does he enjoy that? Uh, I don't. He he recognizes that they're animals. Yeah. That's so he's good. interested in that for that reason. Okay, I'm going to ask some questions. First, from Steve-O, Utah, best Girl Scout cookie. Oh, uh, Thin Mint. It's not even close. Uh, isn't there one called Shortbread? Yeah, it's just, that's their... Uh... It's just like super dry. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I want. That's what you want? Why? Have you had... What I, are you... I, I love super dry foods. Oh, Like I, wow. I eat my Pop-Tarts untoasted. 
yeah. I don't like pie, but I love pie crust. Okay. Like I, wow. I can just eat a bag of pie crust. <laughs> a bag of pie crust. Um, um, they are good though. I will give you that. They are good. But thin mints are. I haven't had a thin mint in a while, but they're extremely good. I used to when I I taught high school years ago, and uh, we had people that would sell Girl Scout cookies there, and I would just buy up all the thin mints, and they were delicious. Even better, put them in the freezer. Just little pro hmm. tip. Oh, this is an interesting question. Okay, if if. Sam Presti were to leave as GM, who's the next Thunder GM and who would be your unrealistic choice? I only ask this because we've been talking about uh, Daryl Morey getting fired this summer. Yeah. How crazy would it be? It'd be like the reverse of like Russ going to Houston. If Sam Presti, let's say like he went off and took the Knicks job or something. Do mm -hmm. they have a GM currently? I don't know. Um, and then what if we got Daryl Morey? That would be hilarious and terrifying and hilarious. I mean, if if Sam Presti really did leave, this would be like one of the best GM jobs because you are so well set up. You can do anything you want. You have every option available to you. Yeah. I mean, here's the deal. Elton Brand has done a horrible job in Philly, but he still looks good. And it's because of Sam Hinkie. Yeah, it's it's impressive that he was able to sign two like quote unquote untradeable contracts. Yeah. in the same summer. Yeah, yeah, really impressive. Yeah, I mean he has ruined that team. He's absolutely destroyed that team. But they're still a contender. Like we still we picked both of us picked them as like a pseudo contender last week. Yeah, and it and it's just because of what Sam Hinkie did and how he set them up. That's what it's all about. And and the Thunder are set up better than what the Sixers were through the, throughout the process. I mean, they're in a better starting place. This is the, I mean, there, there's just, in my mind, there are very little ways that this will fail. Very, I mean, there's a, there's a bigger chance that this will be wildly successful, no matter who's in place. And I listened to that Bill Simmons, Ryan Rosillo pod, where they were talking about, <laughs> if, if you called the Clippers and just said, hey, you can get a redo on the Paul George trade and you can get Shea and Gallo back and you can have, I mean, the, the amount of picks when you just talk about it is wild to think about. Um, <laughs> and I don't know. I mean, what is it, What is your take on that? Um, Cause I mean, Simmons is like, Oh yeah, you should do that. I mean, Shea, blah, 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 you know, and right. Which makes, yeah, makes us feel really good. But is it honestly something that you think that they would redo? I mean, it all comes down to like the entire reason they did that was because Kawhi essentially told them to do that. Yeah. And that was apparently the thing that was going to be the sticking point of whether he comes to the Clippers or not. But yes, if like they could have sold him on that idea, but like, I don't know, Ka Kawhi, maybe he's interested in Shea and maybe he's interested in Gallo. The picks mean nothing to Kawhi. Like, Obviously, the but they, Clippers you could would turn like them into other have, players, right? But I don't, I don't think players like care about that necessarily. They don't. No, no, no. They don't care about that at all. Um, so, so if this whole idea is contingent on selling it to Kawhi, I don't think they can do it. I don't think they do it. But if yeah. you're just asking from like a team building perspective, uh, I think you got to consider it. Yeah. Even if you don't get all the picks back, even if you just got like half the picks back. I know. And that's that's where this Clippers deal is becomes really fascinating. And that's the gamble. It's it's just crazy because at the time, you think, even with the Russell Westbrook deal with Houston, you think, okay, you get the picks of these two really good teams. Well, the truth is that a lot of these really good teams sometimes just fall off a cliff and they're just done for a little while, you know, until they can build back up. And Sam pushed the picks far enough out to where if they do fall apart, that's when they don't have, that's when they have those teams picks. And, you know, they don't, you don't want their picks now, obviously, but you want them later on when there's a chance that this all just kind of fizzles out and falls apart. Um, 
which is which was a brilliant move. And they may end up being the 18th pick in the draft or whatever, but there's a chance they could be a lottery pick. You know, and the Thunder could be in the lottery themselves, and then you end up with two lottery picks. And Simmons mentioned this on their show, but I mean, this is this is how the the Boston Celtics got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown was that they they made the deal with with the Nets, and the Nets just got real bad real fast. Yeah, I, I honestly think the bigger deal that he brought up is the fact that like LA is never going to be a Clippers town or even like a 50 50 town. And it's, it would be so weird to see a championship parade in LA for the Clippers. Mm -hmm. Like who would show up like Clipper, Clipper Daryl. Okay. That's one. (laughs) we got one person. (laughs) It would be weird. Like there's, there's obviously Clipper. There's Billy Crystal. He's at the, he's leading the parade. It is obviously a, they would obviously have fans there, but what is it? A third of the amount of fans, you know, a, four, a quarter of the amount of fans as the Lakers. Yeah, it's just very strange. Yeah, it is. And you just wonder if the Clippers would be better off being even just like in San Diego or something, you know, yeah. or just, just somewhere not in Staples. Because, I mean, not only is LA a Lakers town, but like the NBA is a Lakers town. Like the whole NBA is you know they travel everywhere i mean and i can't remember who brought this up i think it was maybe ethan sherwood strauss brought this up but a part of the rating stuff is that everybody watched cleveland games before lebron you know left when he was there everybody watched cleveland games and everybody watched lakers games no matter who played for them when julius randall was their leading scorer people watched because they love the lakers and now People are watching Lakers just as much as they did before, but now you don't have these smaller markets that are drawing people. And so I, I think that is that is like a small piece of the puzzle within all this is that the Lakers just dominate everything and they have for forever. And that's just that's just how they are, whether they're good or not. Um, a few more Twitter questions. Real Andy Page asks, who is more likely to be back next year, CP3 or Gallo? I would have to think CP3. Yeah, I think I think it's Chris Paul. Is yeah. More, yeah, easily more likely. He's under contract. It he, they may not be able to trade him. Although may the All-Star I mean this has gone immeasurably better than I would have ever imagined, right? Oh, absolutely. And uh someone uh, Dr. Pepsi, what's his name? Yeah, Pepsi Pe- United. Pepsi United, yeah. Oh, I saw um, this. This is this is good stuff. Please read this. Yes. Yeah, he sent a bunch of on-off numbers with all the different players on the roster. What are their, what is their net rating with Chris Paul, and what is their net rating without Chris Paul? And what you realize very quickly is that if Chris Paul wasn't on this team, uh, the team would probably be significantly worse, like significantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the moment that, that was they, what I took away from that. Yeah, so I'll I'll retweet it. Um, but the moment that Chris Paul is traded is the moment the rebuild begins. That's that's when it all starts, and I think that you could you don't even have to deal everybody else. But when Chris Paul is gone, that's when this team becomes mediocre to bad. And especially if they trade Chris Paul and Schroeder, I think they're they'll be toast then, and they will be trying to get the next superstar onto the Thunder through the draft. Um, which is which. To me, I don't. I don't think this. The Thunder team is very good. They've done some great stuff. I don't. I don't. Like, what do you? What do you think a scenario is to where this team would completely change the plan for OKC? Or do you think there is a scenario that that involves that? Uh, you mean keeping it together a little bit longer? Yeah, like making a three-year run. Like, what? What would it take for this? For the Thunder to take a step back? I mean, you go read the op-ed that he that Sam wrote. Neil Kahoman, what would what would it take for him to write a different one, a different version of that this summer for this I, team? I think it's pretty simple. Like if he can't find a deal for Chris Paul that he thinks is worth it, um, that might solve it for him right there. You know, if if he gets to a point where it's like, I know what I have with this team, 
they're a solid playoff team. Chris Paul, if I can't get rid of him for these next two years, he got two years left after this year. Maybe I just keep him around and just push everything back by two years mm-hmm. like that. I, I think it all depends on what deals are available. Um, because like we've said again and again, as long as Chris Paul is on this roster, it's going to be really on this roster and healthy. It's going to be really hard for this team to tank. Um, yeah, yeah, you can't, you can't, you can't. Yeah. But yeah, somebody, somebody asked that question about, um, well, I can't find it now, but when I do, I'll ask it. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and some of it, I mean, if they made the second round this season, and then you have a chance to bring Gallo back at a reasonable number that you feel is tradable within, you know, the next calendar year. And you can't find a good trade partner for Chris Paul. Then maybe you do just run it back for another season and you let Shea get another year under his belt with Chris and Gallo. And you have another either first round and out or potentially make the second round. And then, you know, Chris Paul's got a year left. Schroeder expires. Adams expires, and then you just figure it out from there. I found it. Ryan, ham, sandwich. Do you think we should go all in on any potential draft prospect in the coming years, like Amoni Bates or Brownie Jr., or should we look to rebuild on the fly, which seems to be our current approach? I would say you can do both, Um, because Amoni Bates, he's 22, I think. Yeah, he's 2022, yeah. Listen, I think they should definitely be trying to identify who are those generational players or who they think those generational players are going to be. Mm-hmm. And they should definitely try to target those players in those years. Yep. Um, but in a year like this year, for instance, which we didn't know this at the beginning of the year, where there very well could be a generational player in this draft, but it doesn't appear that way right now. And it doesn't even appear that there's a number one pick that anyone wants to take. Right. Um, yeah, I think that their rebuilding on the fly kind of makes sense. But the rebuilding on the fly, like, next year or two years down the road, like, what does that really mean? Like, they're not going to be bringing in a free agent, you know? Yeah. this is So it's, it's really we're talking about trades and we're back to the draft. Yeah, this is not, this is not rebuilding on the fly. This is, this is just the result. This happened to be the result of trading away their two stars. Yeah, because we were talking about in the group text uh, that, like, as great as this has worked out, none of us think that this was what Sam Presti had in mind when he found out he was going to have to trade Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Like, he wasn't necessarily designing a roster with those trades. He was he was trying to build his asset base first and foremost. Oh, no question. His primary objective was not, I need to put together a playoff team for next season. Right. If that was a secondary effect of it, great, and that turned out to be the case. But I do not think that was the first thing on his mind when making those trades. No, 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 no. You don't ask for that many picks. <laughs> you know, you try to, f- you, you could get more players. Yeah, go get Landry. <laughs> Sham it. Yeah, they probably could have. Instead of, I mean, they would, they could have gotten more players. And, and not only that, they would be flipping these picks for players currently if they were rebuilding on the fly. The trade deadline, they could have gone and got somebody for some picks, you know, but they didn't. Yeah, bring, bring Keith back. We could have uh, signed Keith again. Yeah, I could have got more Keith back. What a, what a great era for the Thunder. Okay, Andrew, who makes more? This is from E.W. Han, 35. Who makes more on their next contract, Lou Dort or Ferg? Oh boy! So, like, so Lou Dort's contract is this—the contract that he will receive in the next two weeks, right? Hey, yeah, and about that. So he's an unsigned player. Yeah. Does that mean that he technically could get any amount? Yeah, sure. So they're not limited in that way. No. That's kind of scary. Yeah. Well, what is Lou Dort really going to command? I don't know. You're not going to get, you can't get a lot of people. A lot of people ask that question. What would you pay Lou Dort right now? I mean, if you could get a team option on a three year, $8 million deal. Boom. What? You think we're going to get him for $8 million total? 
What well, I mean, he's an undrafted two-way player. There's just not a lot of leverage there. How is there not? He it, wouldn't he be a free agent this summer if he doesn't sign a contract? Restricted. Oh, he'd be restricted. Mm-hmm. Oh well, never mind. Mm-hmm. I'd give him. Uh, I'd give him three years, nine million. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> yeah. I just value him a little bit more than you do. Yeah. I know that you think he's just a throwaway. The Thunder has some decisions to make. And we've had the, the recent news of uh, Andre Robertson returning. He's practicing. Oh my gosh. Uh, that doesn't mean anything. On his own. Oh, he is mean, not going to play this year. It means everything. He has not um, played in over two years. Yeah, he has not played a professional basketball game. Back. He's going to start. He's going to bump Lou Dort out of the starting lineup. Yeah. I don't know what's going to happen, but. I do. He's not going to play. I was going to say, I don't know what's going to happen with his contract because I do oh. think that there's a chance that they could get his contract wiped from the books. If, But him being around and shooting around and all that stuff is not super promising for that kind of situation. Where is a doctor really going to say? I mean, the doctor has to say, yes, it is not good for the health of Andre Robertson to play basketball anymore. You know, to play ever again. You know, are you, do you have enough to say that? I, I don't, I don't know the answer to that because if they do have enough to say that, great, let's wipe his number from the books. The Thunder get way under the cap and then they can sign Lou Dort to that three or $9 million deal. And it's not a, it's not anything to OKC to do that. But if you do that now, you're adding 3 million this year. So it's not prorated. If it's, if it's a minimum, it's prorated for the rest of the year. If you sign him to a three-year, $9 million deal that starts this year, you have to pay him $3 million this year, which all goes on the Thunder's cap, which is, you know, a significant amount of luxury tax at that point. And so how are they going to structure it? I don't know. Andre Robertson plays a huge factor in this, whether or not he can play or can't play or is healthy or not or whatever. I mean, it's, it's a big deal. It's a bigger deal if he can't play, but also doctors say that he has potential to play eventually. Like that's a big deal for OKC. Like that's the, that's the worst situation because I don't think he's going to play either. I think the odds are very, very low that he plays another game for OKC. Um, but if they're if they say yeah, he's still rehabbing and we could see him playing for a team next season, then they can't wipe his number from the books. So, it's something to watch. And so, him, there's 16 days left, according to Royce Young. Yeah. Which is, I mean, it's just, it, it's whatever. They're going to they're gonna get something done with him. It's going to happen. They better, Andrew. It's going to happen. the fan base is going to revolt. I don't know. I don't, I don't know why people are freaking out about this. Why? Because we want, we want to know that Dort's going to be in our lives. We yeah. want to be able to look our children in the face when we buy them a Dort jersey and tell them it's okay. He's not going to leave us. <laughs> There's no rush. There's no rush, and he is restricted this summer. That you want to have him for the playoff roster, no question. No question. Do you want him for the playoff roster? But it's nothing to. I mean, it's nothing to be concerned about. It's nothing to panic about. It's it's going to happen. It will happen. Lou Dort wants a contract. Ludort wanted to be a first-round pick. Ludort wanted to be chosen in the draft. He wanted that very badly. Okay, Andrew Case, 2010, on the heels of last night's Terrence Ferguson performance, he asked, what are your most optimistic takes on what T-Ferg will become? I think we've talked about that. Being a 3 and D player on this team is probably his most optimistic take. Yeah. What are your most pessimistic takes? We've talked about that. You know, he's probably out of the league. Mm-hmm. So the question is, Andrew, after last night's game, are you currently leaning more towards your optimistic takes or your pessimistic takes? Did, did last night change it for you? Uh, it didn't change it for me. I, I need to. I need to see it more. I mean, playing well against a bad team happens for lots of guys in the league. You know, that Chicago team was, is not a good defensive team, and 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 it was encouraging that he shot the ball on a closeout. That was great. That was wonderful. I'd love to see that happen again. I just, I'd, I'd like to see that. What does he do against Milwaukee? You know, what's he, what's he do against the Kings uh, tomorrow night? I just, I need to see more. I need to see it more. 
this could be a flash in the pan where he goes right back to hot potato basketball, disappears on the offensive end, plays good defense, but still is a non, non-factor and even a negative on the offensive end. I mean, I've, we've seen way more of that. I mean, you have to account for what have we seen more of. And we've seen a whole heck of a lot more of him not being aggressive uh, than we have him being an aggressive player. It would be, it would be a, a huge boost to this team if he could actually be that kind of player. Not that he has to score 11 points, but that he just gives, him a, gives himself a chance to do it. And so if he will just shoot the ball, he'll make shots. He can shoot it. We know that about Ferguson, but he's got to shoot it and he's got to be confident. And, you know, give me a month, Ferg. So I'm, I'm still pretty pessimistic, but give me a, give me a month. If you can give, give a solid month, it's not even out of the question that he could be starting come playoff time in my mind, but he's got a lot to prove to get there. Uh, from Ross B, what would be the most satisfying end to the Houston Rockets season for you? I mean, the, the most satisfying? Four or five. OKC, Houston, round one. Oof, oof. oof. The Thunder. Oof. Lose game one. Oh, it feels bad. Win game two on the road. What? what? They're back? Win both games in OKC. Crowd goes <laughs> wild. Wild. The Thunder are up. Three games to one. What in the world are we going to do? Houston wins game five. Oh, my goodness. Is this happening again? Are we crumbling again? <gasps> OKC wins on their court. Game six, series over. OKC wins, sends James Harden and Russell Westbrook home. OKC comes back, and then they lose to the Lakers in five. <laughs> Dan Tony fired. Dan Tony fired. Uh, Maury fired. Le- Maury's gone. Harden is questioning his future in Houston. Completely satisfied me. Yeah, that would be, uh, I think that was my dream scenario at the beginning of the season, which was so (laughs) stupid because I was thinking, well, the Rockets are going to be really good in the regular season. So this will be a a potential 8-1 matchup. Right. (laughs) I know. I know. Like in the craziest scenario that we make the playoffs. Um, and now it's, it's, I mean, we, we should be careful what we wish for. We've, uh, dealt with dream scenarios before and they have not worked out in our favor. We've been down the road before. Entirely possible. We could meet the Rockets and get swept and that would be uh, kind of embarrassing. I wouldn't enjoy that at all. Oh yeah. Um, now the other part of this is if they don't play the Rockets, let's say they end up on the other side of the bracket as we have, uh, what people don't realize is that the, the group chat has been pretty spicy lately. (laughs) <laughs> a lot, a lot of fighting, and a lot of it is due to me. Um, and I unfortunately have attached my wagon to uh, the Houston Rockets. Yep. And so, if the Thunder are not involved, I've kind of put myself in a position because of things I've said in this group chat, where I have to root for the Houston Rockets in order to win this argument. Yep. Against Taylor, mainly Taylor and McKelle. Mm-hmm or the, the two who are mostly fighting against me. And uh, so it's it's really tough for me. So I'm really hoping for this 4-5 matchup so I don't have any issues with my conscience. You know, I can mm-hmm. just, I can go with my heart, you know. <laughs> Deborah Buckets can return. It'll be great. We need but if Debbie that doesn't back. happen, Deborah Rockets will live on, at least for the playoffs, because uh, I have to win this argument against <laughs> Taylor and McKelle. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm not excited about any of this, to be honest. I'd, I'd just like, you guys to start your own podcast. Just stay away from me if you could. Uh, I should mention Caleb Bennett, OKC, asked us about Adam's free throw shooting, which we talked about. What about this question, Andrew? At Steigleiter Smith. Steigleiter Smith. <laughs> Last year's Thunder team versus this year's team. Who wins a best of seven? I think it's this year's Thunder team. I just don't think it's even very close at this point. <sighs> yeah. I think I would have to agree with you. Um, I mean, it'd be interesting to see this three guard lineup go against, you know, Paul George, much yeah. better defender. Yeah. Uh, who was our shooting guard last year? <laughs> I can't Ferg. Oh, Ferguson. Yeah. Lou uh, Dort versus Ferg. Oh, wow. We'd finally learn once and for all. Adams v. George. Adams. And then uh, Gallo versus uh, Grant. Jeremy Grant. Yeah. That'd be, be fun, honestly, if we could set that up. I mean, 2K can make this happen. I'd watch it. Yeah. <laughs> if, um, we, if we could clone Adams and then put these guys on a 
opposing sides. Could do the uh, the city jerseys of this year versus the city jerseys of last year, which would be very yes. fun. There's so many fun things about it in an unrealistic matchup of the same players on the same team. Um, one more question. Uh, yeah, let's do one more. First of all, I should mention that a superhero underscore sent us uh, the Danilo Gallinari anthem from Spotify, mm-hmm. a song by Italian Stallions. I would go recommend checking that out. Yeah. Um, I don't know what they're saying because it is an Italian, but it's a pretty good jam. Maybe we could have a podcast where Michele just translates the thing, translates the song just word for word for us. And that's just the show. That's the podcast. Yeah. That could be its own podcast. It could be <laughs> ongoing. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, last question from Cole Prophet. What Thunder player would you feel most confidence in to watch Andrew's kids for an evening? Oh, wow. I, well, it's, it has to be Chris Paul. I mean, he is, he has kids. Yeah. He's an adult. I think Baisley would be the most fun babysitter. Yes. And I, th- I think my kids would wind up with a whole bag of sugar like spread yeah. throughout my kitchen kind of scenario. Um, but they would have a ton of fun. It'd be the most memorable babysitter for sure is Bayes. Uh, and then who else would I trust? Let's see. I think Schroeder might scare them. I think he would yell at them in German a lot, which sounds really terrifying. Um, so Chris Paul's number one. Maybe, has to be. I mean, Gallo? Maybe he, he seems too nonchalant. I feel like he wouldn't, uh, you know, he'd, he'd be doing his own thing. Yeah. The kids might wander off. Yeah. I could see that happening. Steven. Uh, Steven could be good. Teach my kids yeah. to curse first. I mean, there's no doubt that he would curse in front of my kids. By the way, he had a really good, uh, interview post game, uh, the ESPN game talking about MMA. Yeah. It's just like the most I've heard him talk in a long time. Mm-hmm. It was great. Go check it out. Yeah, it's great. This podcast yeah. never going to end. No, never. Uh, Chris Paul is definitely the guy, though. Uh, thanks for listening to our podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Andrew K. Schlecht. Follow Alex on Twitter at Al Baby Cakes. Leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Very much appreciated. Uh, I saw many of you did that recently and I, and I read every single one and it's uh, it's a great thing for our show. Uh, it's something free that you can do that takes up maybe a minute, maybe two minutes of your time, uh, but it's very helpful to us. Uh, if you are a subscriber to The Athletic, you can listen to our show ad-free on theathletic.com or on your Athletic app. So if you don't like listening to ads, you can subscribe to The Athletic and then listen to our show ad-free, uh, which is pretty great. Hope you guys have a wonderful day and we'll talk to you guys again on Friday.